0: It's 9
1: a.m. <laughs> I've I've given you as much time as <laughs> I'm going saying. to give you. <laughs> Darn it.
0: It's been a while, Larry, so you just have to remind me of these things.
1: It's been a while. Is that stained? Dark, dark days and music right there. <laughs> All right, greetings and welcome to another episode of the TCAP Sloop Ed Tech Podcast. My name is Larry Burden, and I couldn't figure out a good chat GPT query that would give me a funny intro to our esteemed co-host, Danielle Brostrom. So that's all we get. Welcome to season seven of this venerable pod. Did you know the average lifespan of a pod, of a podcast, is 174 days? And we've been doing this for seven years. So hey, go us. All right. Before we get started, though, on today's show, we need to start with our TCAPS loop moment of Zen. Maybe it's not about trying to fix something that's broken. Maybe it's about starting over and creating something better. So with that, we have a few things to get through today. First, it's awesome to be back. Welcome, Danielle. Welcome back. I guess maybe to start, let's discuss the state of the pod. We did not pod much last year.
0: No, we didn't.
1: And I, maybe it's it, we should take a little bit of a, a, a little bit of time to kind of dissect why that was the case. So, in, in my thought, I was having a hard time finding something to grab onto to kind of latch onto as far as what what to pod about. And thinking about that, I, I'd like to posit that it might have been a little bit of a COVID hangover. I don't know if we knew where we were at as um, an educational system to really know what was important to pot about. Does that register?
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. I feel the same way. We were kind of um, just struggling to find that 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 path forward, I think, the new normal. The new normal. And it was weird because we did. We pod it all through.
1: You can copyright that, by the way. That's yours. That's, That's trademarked. Mine. Yeah. It the is. new normal. The new normal. Danielle Brostrom.
0: The new, new normal. Um, no, but I, I do think that we we kind of, we did lose our footing a little bit there, but I think that there's there's a lot to talk about now and we are back and we're ready.
1: Excellent. So the the goal this, this year is to pod every week every thursday so we're recording typically on a tuesday give me a little time to make sure all of our ums and its and sideways conversations maybe get edited out so this doesn't take three and a half hours and uh get this out on a regular basis so you can count on the podcast being delivered on thursdays
0: and i do want to continue to larry i want to continue doing a mix of local stories so what's important to tcaps and then coming out a little bit and talking more about just the state of ed tech in our society, in the state of Michigan, in what are other people in other districts doing? So I, I want to make sure we continue to do both of those.
1: If you've liked our pod in the past, it's probably going to be relatively the same. And now we kind of, I guess we know what we're talking about. Well, we, I don't know if we know what we're talking about. We we know the topics we're talking about, whether or not we have anything <laughs> insightful to say that might be potentially useful. Eh, you know, it's, that's, that's for you Truth to decide out. as the listener. So moving forward, it makes sense that Our topic today is what are some of the topics that we might be discussing in the upcoming year? So the, the title of this pod or the theme of this pod is the top three topics in education for 2023, 24. And the, the conceit here is that we're going to do a countdown. The idea, which, which I did not inform Danielle that we were doing, so she plopped her, her entire list on, on, our, on our Google Doc before, and I, I opened up the doc, and I'm like, oh, it's all there. So I tried not to look. I tried not to look. So hopefully, it'll be a surprise as we're going through here. So the idea is we'll start at three, count down to one. We'll go back and forth. If somebody has a topic higher on their list we'll hold off on talking about it. So if we do have overlap, we'll hold off on talking about it until we get to it higher up on the list. So with that being said, what is your number three?
0: My number three, something that I want to work really hard on this year with our staff is accessibility. I feel like there's a lot of research out there that... There are things that we can do to ensure equity in our classrooms. Last week I sat in a TCEA webinar, TCEA meaning Texas Education Association, and they talked all about accessibility. So just things that we need to remember, things like captions or using accessible colors because 10% of our male population is colorblind, so avoiding that red and green combination. Um, Hyperlink's not saying, click here. But actually, having the place where it's going to go, just there's there's a lot that we can do to meet that minimum standard of accessibility in our classrooms, and I think that that's a hot topic right now. So accessibility is going to be in my number three.
1: It didn't quite make my honorable mention, but it was definitely in the. Mm, that's tell you what, as as the 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 branding guy for our district, I've spent most of my summer working on getting our district branding and creatives accessible the really cool thing that i've noticed though is most of our tools now are set up for that so if you're putting an image in a google doc there is an alt yes there's Uh, an alt text yeah in almost everything that you do so there's not really an excuse to do it if you need to find out whether or not a color is accessible you there's Multiple, and I'm sure we'll get into this as we go forward, multiple apps and websites that you can test colors and make sure that they're the the contrast is appropriate. I
0: think that's it's something that teachers don't do naturally. We think about it for our students that, that are special ed or students that it's written in their IEP or it's written in their 504 that they need something different to help them succeed. But we don't always think about it for the masses. And I think that that's something that needs to come more to the forefront. There's a lot of cutesy fonts happening that we can we can we can we can do that, you know. We can that's an easy change we can make.
1: Readability is often overlooked. I was just reading a um reading a blog from somebody that should know better. And I'm just like, okay, I'm in my 50s and the eyesight isn't what it used to be. But to have a blog text under what would be probably nine point or at least at nine point. What are, what, are, what are we doing here? Yeah. There's There's. no. There's, it's not like we're saving paper. Make the fonts relatively sizable with some good space between so you can read it. It's okay.
0: We're all learning. It'll, it'll be okay. We're all learning and yeah. we're going to learn more about accessibility this year. Even if it didn't make your honorable mention, it made my top three. So we're going to talk about it, Larry. Like <laughs> it or not? Oh no,
1: I like it. I like <laughs> it. Trust me. Trust me. Okay. So my number three, something that we're going to talk about is going to be digital literacy a lot, but I'm like, that's too broad. And there's another piece of it that I thought would fit under under digital literacy, which is micro learning. And I don't know if you're familiar with micro learning, so this might not be the hot topic. I'm kind of I'm I'm, I'm putting my futures on this one. I'm I'm going to say that this is going to be a hot topic at some point in time. And a lot of the digit the trends in education are going this way anyway. So basically, what micro learning is, if you want to know, are you curious?
0: I'm very curious. Okay, if you're not.
1: Okay, let me start out with this. It was a quote by uh, uh, Josh Burson who puts it like this, and this is more about workplace um, uh, professional development, but it works for our students as well. Today's employees, students, are overwhelmed, distracted, and impatient. If our training content is too long and full of irrelevant details, learners will immediately switch off. This is nothing new to educators, right? Yeah. So this is really what microlearning is. Microlearning is the delivery of learning content in shorts in a short, succinct way, typically three to five minutes. So when we're talking about our lessons, it's even and we do a good job as educators to bring those lesson plans down for this reason, but we're talking three to five minutes. So we're talking really quick, concise points, almost social media length kind of posts of education. Condensing large quantities of information into bite-sized training drives better engagement and knowledge retention for learners and saves valuable time and money for employers. So the key to this is taking those large pieces of information, making them smaller, but revisiting them. The other piece of this is something called the forgetting curve. And I don't know if you're familiar with this. I, I'm sorry. I did a deep dive here. That's Please what I was worried about. Tell me more. My God. Um, tell me more. German psychologist Hermann Ebbinghaus came up with this concept called the forgetting curve, which demonstrates that when people take in large amounts of information, retention of what was learned tends to degrade over time. In fact, people typically lose 80% of the knowledge they learn within a month. So the idea of microlearning is to take small pieces of information and relearn them over time and over time if you continue to hear that information or get that information it's going to be retained the, the the connecting piece to all this is how we engage with social media which i think is kind of fascinating and this is my galaxy brain thing and maybe this is a topic i'm I'm just going to give a taste of this this is my, my little mm-hmm. theory so the way social media works is obviously you get depending on how you've curated your social media content Small bits of information that tend to repeat themselves over and over again because it's what we like. My thought process is if we set up our social media and we curate it and prune it towards a very specific topic, our level of retention of that knowledge will be much higher. So basically taking social media and forcing it into being a tool for us as opposed to a distraction. There you
0: go. You went very deep on that. I'm very interested to talk more about that this okay. year.
1: Okay. For okay. For sure. So that's my number three. There's wow. a there's a there's a ton more there. I probably need. to I like it. More. Let's do it. All right. Number two.
0: <laughs> number two. Surprise, surprise. Digital wellness. We know that um, when we talk about digital wellness on this pod, it really is the intersection of what is widely known as digital citizenship, mixed with that me- news literacy piece, that media literacy piece. Y'all know about Common Sense Media. I talk about them all the time. But their newest research was called The Constant Companion, A Week in the Life of a Young Person's Smartphone Use. So finding things like a teenager in a typical day is receiving approximately 237 notifications. Can you imagine that? We talk about turning our notifications off as a grown-up because we get like 40 you know, but to get 237, and of those, about a quarter are arriving during the school day, and 5% are coming at night. So, teaching kids to manage that part of their digital life. And, you know, the the report talks about school phone use is, is common, but the policies are inconsistent of how to handle that phone usage in school. So, I mean, we have the Away for the Day policy here at TCAPS, and a lot of districts are starting to, um, to do that, but not all districts are on board with that yet. So... I do want to talk more about, about that piece, about mental health, about um, smartphones and our kids. But then also the news literacy piece is a big important part of this too, especially in the time of AI. You know, AI can be used to create videos and text and images. That, Settle down there,
1: Punchy. Settle I know. Settle down.
0: Settle down. I know. But but they can easily fool you if you're not on top of it. And I think the News Literacy Project is doing amazing work in this space. So I'm excited to take the pod this year and highlight some of their offerings and how they can be used in the classroom um, to help combat that
1: misinformation piece. This did make my honorable mention. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Good. Uh, got, I caught you well. <laughs> it
1: almost goes without saying that this is something that we're going to be talking about. My number two. Mm-hmm. And this is something I'm. Uh, I'm throwing it out there and then backing away slowly, academic recovery. I'm not an educator, so I'm going to tread super lightly here. Um, There's a lot of investigation, a lot of research on it. How can we do this? How can we best make up for some of the lost time that we know happened during the pandemic? And I think on some levels, and we talked about it during the pandemic, that this is an opportunity for us to reset our, our system of education. And I think some of the conversations that are happening around academic recovery are actually starting to do that. During the pandemic, we were like, why is this could happen? This could happen. And maybe we were a little premature and maybe it is happening. One of the big talking points is the idea of remediation versus accelerated learning. And there was a paper that recently came out on accelerated learning from um, Brown University. That I highly recommend we'll have it in the show notes, you know, kind of going back to that micro learning concept, but with tutoring and making sure that we're hitting, really hitting the needs, but continuing to move the, move the ball forward. I had a great conversation with my wife last night. (laughs) that Maybe was a little contentious on this um, in in a good, in a good way, but. um, Your
0: wife is an educator. I feel like we should tell listeners that. Yeah, exactly.
1: But there, there's multiple topics within academic recovery that i think could be covered but as i said i'm a little hesitant to do that because that's not really (laughs) i make pretty pictures (laughs) you know we'll
0: bring in some experts to talk about things like that
1: all right next
0: my number one
1: or sure actually do you have any honorable mentions before we do number one these are just some of the things that i was thinking about vocational education Ooh, yes yeah so you know when we talk about the stem fields and other uh modes of uh Secondary or post-secondary education or preparing our students in other ways besides college prep. I think that's that's a that's a big topic. Early childhood needs, maybe not for our particular podcast, but man, that's a problem. Yep. <laughs> Boy, is that a problem. This is a one that's near and dear to my heart. And it's SEL, but specifically mind-body connection. I have a l- lot of thoughts. Don't know if it's for this podcast, but man, do I have thoughts on that? Let's do it. So those are some honorable mentions. Number one, can we should we say it at the same time? Sure. Ready. One, two, three. AI. Artificial
0: intelligence. Oh, oh
1: come on! Of course, the educator has to go full.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. AI. Yeah.
1: AI. And, and so this is where I'm so excited because I'm at a point in my career, and I was just telling my one of my colleagues that. I'm getting close. I'm definitely on the back end of my career. And I'm like, maybe I can just dinosaur out of this one. You know, just kind of let it, let it go right over me and I'll just, and I realized pretty quickly over the past really month, really where it was like, oh no, especially in my role, I'm going to have to figure this out and and dive in. I feel behind the curve, which is why I'm so excited because I know you've done a a boatload of research. And so I'm 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 just going to back up and let you go cuz this is something that I'm super interested in.
0: Do you remember about 6 months ago when all of the tech designers called for that 6 month pause? Remember that they said, you know, let's let, let's do a pause, let's take some time not introduce any new AI, take some time to just figure out where we're at and what this looks like before we go any further and we didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that, that was never going to happen.
0: We kind of poured on the gas instead yeah. of putting on the brakes and I think that this AI is everywhere now, and it is, you know, you can find AI to do this and to do this and do this. But some of these tools are not the best, and you can use other tools. So I'm excited to get into some of the tools that are really, really useful for teachers. Um, things so far like Edu is a really good one that we're going to talk about. Um, ConMigo from Khan Con Academy I think has a lot of potential, so we'll talk about that. I, I do think diving into this idea of what's next and how AI can help us both do our work as teachers, and also how it can help students, how it can just benefit students more. I think all of those things are things we're going to talk about. I actually learned this morning, I was listening to a podcast that I like called Hard Fork, and they were talking to a prompt engineer. I didn't know this was a job. It's it's a, a new job based on AI where he's trying to figure out the best prompts that he can write to get the right answers and then the prompts that he can write to break the system so that the system then knows what a bad actor looks like and how to react to it. So that's his job. and he's probably getting paid very well for it. And that's a job that doesn't have any kind of coding in the background. You know what I mean? We talk about coding being what you need to be an engineer. Well, this is a prompt. Engineering doesn't need that. So it's just it's interesting to think and look at this artificial intelligence space. There's a lot coming out, and we'll definitely be looking at that this year. Yeah, so we'll do a lot of that. I know David's really interested in that as well. Um, McCall's interested in that. We're going to be doing a lot of PD around AI through AI conferences coming up. I know that. Um, the School Principals Association is doing one on October seventeenth, I think, called Catalyst, and then McCall has theirs in coordination with MVU on December thirteenth. So um, there's there's a lot of learning coming out for teachers about AI.
1: It's going to happen, and it's going to happen very quick. I want to share this real this quote really yep. quick from uh, the Stanford Graduate School Education Dean Daniel Schwartz in his opening remarks at a recent conference. I want to emphasize that a lot of AI is also going to automate really bad ways of teaching. So we need to think about it as a way to to create new types of teaching. And I think that is important. I because, love that. Because really, it. I mean, if you think about what AI is doing as far as scrubbing content, yep. well, a lot of that content isn't necessarily good content. Yep. So we do have to be very mindful on how we're using the tool. It could be a... I think, a revolutionary, a completely revolutionary tool. They they equated it to the printing press. <laughs> that is not necessarily wrong as far as th- the game changer that it could be.
0: And AI is built into a lot of tools that we love, like Canva, which I do want to talk more about Canva this year. Mm-hmm. Um, AI is going to be more integrated with the Google Suite. I know that's coming out. Get on board. Get on board. Get on, Get
1: on board. <laughs> well, and the reason, and we talked about this a lot with social media back in the day, and it actually... Initially, I was like, I think we were wrong, but now I'm like, maybe we were more right than we thought. It just, we, it never got actionable. If we're on board with AI and we have responsible people engaging in it at the start, there's a much better chance that it's going to end up being a useful tool. We just have to do that. It's not going back in the tube. So for sure. All right. I think that's, that's the list. That's the list. That's the list. Should we go through it again? Just to make sure that we have everything. Sure, sure. So you're you're, you're three.
0: Uh, accessibility, digital wellness, so digsit and news literacy, and artificial intelligence.
1: All right. And I had um, micro learning, academic recovery, and artificial intelligence. Hey, do we have a tech tool of the week?
0: We do have a tech tool of the week. Out from Google recently that they are sunsetting Jamboard. Oh, in I saw that. And I felt you crying. <laughs> I love Jamboard.
1: Uh, I, I actually <laughs> maybe there was a disturbance in the forest because there was a lot of teachers, I'm sure, that were like, uh <laughs> there
0: were a lot of people crying. Yes. But um, an alternative has come up and they are going to offer. In fact, I sat in a Google Champions meeting the other day where they talked about. Losing Jamboard, and they were recommending something called Fig Jam. And they had the Fig Jam people come and talk to us and share some of the ways that they have built a Jamboard like platform, but it includes all of the things that Jamboard didn't have. So I, I like the ability to kind of see people moving in real time, like Jamboard had, but it's got a lot more going on it with templates and um, features to keep conversation going and comments and emojis. i'm I'm impressed so far with what I'm seeing from Fig Jam. It is free, and they have um promised that it will be free for teachers. In schools. So I'm really excited
1: to see. There were some quotation marks there. If you didn't, I don't know. I don't know if Danielle knew this, well, but it's a podcast. <laughs>
0: I so. did them just for your benefit, Larry. Thanks for calling me out. No, well,
1: no. I, I think that's important, though, because we, we, we know that sometimes these, yes. those, yes. you know, be, be careful what you invest in, invest your time in, because what is free oftentimes isn't free. And then suddenly, you're looking at your budget going, this is not a tool I can do. Yes. Use anymore. Yes.
0: But Google has committed to giving us tools to help us move our jam boards onto Fig Jam. And um, Fig Jam has committed to offering this service for schools. So I'm excited to play around with Fig Jam more and see how it can be um, not only a replacement for the Jam board that I love, but can also be um, something better. Coming full circle back to mm-hmm. your uh, moment of Zen this morning.
1: Anything else for the good of the order? Nothing yet. All right. Um, But stay tuned for what's coming. We gave you a little sneak preview of what might be on the plate, though things change, as you know. All right. So um, in closing, rate and review and subscribe. Please subscribe. Tell people to subscribe. Tell everybody to subscribe. And not only subscribe, but give us nice five-star ratings.
0: We like all the five
1: star ratings to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Podbean, CastBox. Bye, Bye, Stitcher.
0: Bye, Stitcher.
1: Overcast, Bullhorn, or wherever else you get your ear candy. Thanks for listening and inspiring.
0: I'm at Brostrom DA, in case you're wondering.